0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down! Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast presented by Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. In today's episode, which was recorded on Sunday night, Vanderbilt quarterback Ken Seals joins us as he's going to do on a weekly basis. Every week during the football season, he will also join us, of course, some during the offseason. And with that, let's get right into our interview with Ken Seals. Vanderbilt quarterback Ken Seals joins me as he's going to do every week during the season ken appreciate you joining us tonight practice is underway it is an exciting time of the year and i know mm-hmm. folks are very excited to hear about
1: that tonight yeah i know it's an exciting time so i'm I'm really excited to get into it
0: well what has been your impression of practice so far and how the team has progressed through a couple of the practices and I just want your reflections on that and just the kind of adjustment it has been with the new staff. You get new schemes, new personalities, new position mm-hmm. coaches, all those things. What that, what has that been like going through that, not just as a player, but as a quarterback and as a leader on your team?
1: Yeah. And I mean, you know, we're only two practices in, so we're really trying to still find our identity, but I think, you know, uh, it's something coach Lee talks about too. We're in the, filling in the same spaces but with very different demands and expectations of our effort and uh, our performance. And I think that's been the biggest adjustment. I think we got really good at summer training and we brought energy and we met the standards and uh, I thought we excelled at what we were doing up to that point. I think now that we're starting fall practice, we're kind of going back to what we had done back on the field. And Coach Lee immediately, you know, is able to pick something like that out and is like, absolutely not like anything that any former habit that you had or you got burnt on a play and you act this way. He's like, cut it out. That is not what we're doing anymore. And so that's kind of been, especially after day one, was the message to all of us. And I think uh, day two and kind of the attitude after today and moving forward is all right, we gotta get this up. We gotta we gotta bring energy, be positive, like let people know that we're here and we're not just trying to survive. Like we're we're dominating this. And that's been the mindset about it. And as a quarterback, you know, I have to facilitate that. I have to get guys going, you know, maybe I don't I don't do as much running as receivers and definitely not as much work as the offensive line. And so being, you know, the less exhausted guy on the field it's my responsibility to bring the energy to those guys and that's kind of you know what we talk about and at least what you know coach lee communicates to the qb room is be those guys that bring the energy that get the team going because we have the opportunity to do that and so i think uh the guys that are in the quarterback room now are embracing that role and um especially moving forward i think the team understands like the expectations and what they are now
0: Ken, the media was allowed to watch two hours of each of the first two practices. We're getting to watch, I think, most of the rest of them, too, and I'll be there for most, if not all. But when I watched you guys go through things on Friday and Saturday, it looked to me like just the pace of everything was quicker than it was under Mm. the old staff, even just the time it took you to get from one drill to the next. Is that just my imagination or is really that how it is?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's sure certainly on the field feels like we're moving a lot faster. And that's the message between uh, everyone on the team is it's these practices are very intense. They're uh, definitely getting us uh, conditioned for the game Um, when it comes to like the speed and tempo, uh, the transitions running between transitions. It's uh, I yeah, I, I would say it's very different.
0: One thing that impressed me is first practices. a lot of times there's just difficulties and transitions and just getting back in the habits. One thing that I saw, and I don't know if your execution was what you wanted it to be. I'm not saying it wasn't, but just you guys ran plays quickly first practice when you ran them. And just to me, the time that you were able to get them off and everything at a first practice without a lot of confusion and, and guys running around and maybe somebody not being in the right spot. To me, I thought that you guys seemed to do a pretty good job of doing that for first practice.
1: Yeah, I mean, so there's different, you know, drills and periods that we have in practice. so. One drill, we call it 88s, we're we're just going as fast as we possibly can. We're setting the ball down, signaling in the play. We have it ready before we even snap the next one. Um, And we're just calling it and going. And honestly, the result obviously is important to us, but the emphasis is on the tempo that we can push the pace of the offense at. So we we have, you know, tempos in different um, periods in practice where that's the tempo we're playing at. There's other tempos where we're going to, okay, we're going to, huddle up. We'll do some no huddle. There's other times it's all no huddle, but, um, I do think like tempo is important to us. It's obviously, I don't think we're going to be, you know, trying to get, you know, a whole bunch of plays in. Like you see some of these other schools going, no huddle, hurry up offense doing, um, much like we're expecting Tennessee to do this year. But I think, um, tempo is obviously something that we can go in and out of. And I think, uh, whenever we want to use it, I think we're going to be able to. So it's um, it's something we're practicing. It's obviously, you know, um, still we're figuring out our identity as an offense, I think. But uh, being able to call plays fast is a skill that you just can't, like, tell yourself to get good at. you got to practice it. So that's what we're working on.
0: One of my least favorite questions I get in my job, and you have to take it, but is – Who do you think is going to come in and contribute right away? And my answer to that in recent years, I used to make guesses about it and say, well, I I like this guy and I like that guy. And I will if people press me. But my answer to that typically, Ken, is, I don't know, let me wait and see till they get to campus because you guys are used to being the best player on your team or in your district or your region or whatever, and – Maybe for some yeah. time, sometimes these guys are getting up against guys that are better than they are for the first time, and, and that's a shock, and not everybody handles that the same way. Would you say that that's maybe a culture shock for some kids when they get to campus and all of a sudden they're not able to do all the stuff that they've done before?
1: Yeah, there's there's definitely a learning curve to it. It's It's understanding, too, that – I mean, I, exactly what you said, like everyone realizes that they're not the best player on the team anymore. The best player, you know, within, you know, 50 miles of where, you know, whatever it is, you know, it's, it's, it's extremely, you know, competitive at practices now that the talent level is raised up, especially for these young guys. And I think, uh, I was actually talking to uh, taco, Wright. Um, I think it was today he was saying, uh, he, he thought he had a good first practice, uh, but the second practice. He said he let up like, you know, three big plays or something. Then he came off the sidelines. It was like, you know, getting down on himself, you know, being vocal about his frustration, different things like that. And um that's something that, you know, whenever that happened in high school, like younger guys have not had to experience with that uh the emotional reset, the, the psychological game that they're playing inside the game. They haven't really had to deal with it that much. And so whenever they experience something like that in practice, they, you know, think about like, oh, this never happens to me. Why is this happening? You know, but I think what's important for them and the message that we communicate to them is it's like, listen, like you're going to make mistakes and you're going to make a lot more mistakes than you've ever made ever the speed of the game, the talent of the game in general is just different than anything you've ever experienced so far. And so adjusting to that is going to take you some time. And whenever guys, you know, let a play behind them or a receiver runs a wrong route, you know, gets covered, jammed off the line, you know, something like that. It's like, don't, don't get frustrated. Like, that's going to happen. Like, in, admit to yourself that you're going to go through obstacles like that and you're going to have to get through them. But you're going to learn and you're going to get better. And eventually it's not going to happen as often. But if you start letting that block, The way you play and you start thinking about that too much that's whenever you're going to start becoming slower and you're not going to be worried about the game as much you're going to be thinking about like the last play just forget about it move on we'll learn from it and i think you know especially you know this younger class uh they've pretty much gotten a full dose of coach lee and his message and i think uh everything that the message that coach lee is sending to everyone on the team is really being uh, received by the freshmen, especially because they've had you know no prior introduction to college football. It's just been, you know, this new culture and new environment that we're starting to facilitate. And um, I think they're receiving it really well. And uh, I really like what we're bringing in, especially, you know, in this first younger class.
0: I don't think I've shared this story with you. I think I may have on the podcast before or on the site. I was watching you play in spring practice when you first got to campus and it was the first obviously I'd seen of you live and one of the things that impressed me about you you were going through one of your first couple of practices and you guys were running 11 on 11s and you were throwing a pass in the flat and there was a linebacker that you didn't see and you threw it right to him and it was a pick six the other way.
1: And I'm glad we're talking about
0: this. Yeah, well, there's there's a point here, okay? Um, here's the point. Everybody does that, okay? Everybody at one point has a play like that. The thing that impressed me about you is you didn't let it get you down. You picked up the next play, and you you threw three or four strikes in a row. And and right then and there, that moment told me a lot about you. Uh, That made a big improvement. In fact, I would say of all the things I saw you do, right away that made the biggest impression right Uh, but because you were able to pick up and go on that's the thing i said that's the thing that sets a player apart on the stage you're all going to make mistakes but being able not to lose confidence and i'm guessing for you that's not something you just figure out in the moment you don't give yourself a sudden pep talk and say hey ken pick your head up that's the thing that you prepared for in in advance I would presume that you had a strategy or something that when adversity hit you were not going to let that get you down how did you get through those kind of moments
1: yeah I mean it's something I really think my dad helped me a lot you know the I think it's something that uh my dad was able to help me a lot with um he um he really taught me at a younger age a lot um to forget about those plays and uh being as competitive of a person I am, you know, and a lot of times, you know, players generally are, uh, they they do let, them, let that get to them. But I think what I've learned as a competitor and what my dad's taught me is to just forget about it. And it's not easy, but, you know, I've thrown interceptions before and I've had, you know, bad attitudes after I've thrown interceptions and I've let it affect the next place. But I think, you know, letting that happen to me earlier on in my career and then ultimately learning from it um, is what. I guess you saw that day. And it's interesting because to be completely honest, I can't even remember the exact point that you're talking about. And maybe it's because, you know, I move on, forget it, hopefully. But um, yeah, uh, it's, it's, you know, something that as a quarterback, you have to learn eventually and whether you like to or not, you're going to throw a pick. So uh, as might as well get something out of it, I guess.
0: With those kind of things in your pocket, do you talk to, your teammates who are coming in as freshmen and preparing for those kind of things, or is that just a thing that they have to do on their own and you help them out on the fly?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, um, I wouldn't say I um, am preparing them like, Hey, whenever we go, you know, before the first practice, like, Hey, listen, you're going to do something stupid. You know, I I don't, I don't think that's how I approach it. I think um, maybe that'd be a good idea, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, but, um i think you know whenever they i can visually see them like getting down or getting you know uh upset or frustrated with uh, whatever happened or the way they're performing i think you know a one-on-one conversation on the side like hey man like forget that flush that we need you for the rest of practice if that happens in a game how are you going to respond that's what you're working on right now this is the training for the game so however you respond now is whatever's going to happen in the game so that you know just thinking about that it's um I actually had a player in high school, Des Forrest. He was my running back. He, um, uh, he's playing in college right now, but, uh, he was, uh, one of those emotional players that, uh, was very, uh, you could visually see his frustration on the field. And, uh, so I've had a, a lot of coaching working with uh, guys like that, especially, you know, working with him for two years. But, um, Uh, I think um, whenever guys like that uh, start getting upset, you got to not call them out or like, hey, like, what are you doing? Like, fix this. That's whenever you're like, hey, like, bring them in. You know, don't let anyone out. You don't got to call them out in front of a team. Just be like, look, like, you're fine. Like, don't worry about this. Uh, And I think, you know, it's kind of the same as a quarterback. Whenever Coach Lynch calls me over and I'll throw an interception in practice, it's like, hey, don't worry about it. It's fine. Let's talk about it. What would you see? You know, go over it all right da, 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 they're doing this dude you know just just the teaching from it and um especially with coach lee's uh new culture it's the it's the reset you know after uh how you respond to adversity and your attitude afterwards and the way you approach the work after that so it's um it's all you know something that i can help teach but also that we're all teaching them at the same time coaches and players
0: what is your typical day like this time of year in fall camp because you're not in class yet but you've got meetings and demands on your time if there is a typical day just walk us through that from the moment you get up and when that is to to when you go to bed and when that
1: is Wow, yeah the days uh the days are getting crazy so i guess i don't know if i count last year as fall camp it's more just like we practice until the first game but uh i i would say this is my first experience to fall camp so I set my alarm for 5.30 and breakfast opens at 6 and our first meeting starts at 7. So I I wake up at 5.30, get dressed before breakfast and get there, you know, as soon as it opens so I can, you know, get dressed, uh, get, you know, filled up, fueled for uh, meetings. And uh, I'll probably go over whatever install that we're going going over. We'll have a team meeting at 7.00. Uh, then we go to position meetings at like eight o'clock. Uh, we'll go to um, unit meetings like offense, defense for like 30 minutes. Then we'll go back to position meetings. Uh, ultimately we're you know meeting from seven to 1030 in the morning um, from 1030 to 12 is whenever we have our lift groups. So I'm in the 12 o'clock lift group. So I'll lift at 12 on certain days. I think it's Tuesday and Thursday. We're lifting. So lift, lift till 12. Then you get another break. And then at 2 o'clock, we start having meetings uh, again. So we'll start with special teams. Uh, I'm not on – not all the special teams meeting. I'll go to quarterback room, uh, do some quarterback uh, install with uh, Coach Lynch and the uh, other cues in the room. Um, And then we go to team meetings. We'll go to units. We'll meet probably till around, I think, um, 445. Uh, Then we get on the field, go through walkthroughs, 530 practice starts and then we practice for 2 hours from 5:30 to 7:30. Uh, after practice, we have a required dinner and then required recovery. So ultimately at the end of the day, we're not completely done with everything until around 9:15 and then you know, if I'm trying to get uh you know 8 hours of sleep, I got to be asleep in 15 minutes. So it's uh it's it's a grind. <laughs> it, and everything is uh very tight. The whole the whole schedule, you're busy all day. But um, I think, you know, the biggest message for in this fall camp is like, don't don't dread it. Don't survive it. Like push through it like this. We're playing football now after everything that we've had to go through, especially the past year and being apart from each other. Like you're getting to play football, like have fun with that. Like that should be your excitement right there. And uh, I think a lot of guys are enjoying it. So it's um, it, it's definitely an attitude shift from what I feel like fall camp has been in the past. Yeah, and
0: you still have some teammates going through summer school, am I correct? What's that like oh, for yeah, those I'm, guys? Oh, yeah, I'm in
1: summer school. Yeah, oh. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a class right now. Oh, so, man. I mean, I, I'm working, so my break is filled with, a, you know, figuring out computer science, so.
0: Yeah, where, where does that play into your day? I mean, you, you're you already full of football as it is, it sounds like.
1: Yeah, I, I got a little uh, two-hour, one-hour break, depending on, you know, if I want to go and watch some more film up at the film room and I'm done with homework early. Uh, I got my break in the day to go and do that if I want to. So, it's um, yeah, it's tight, but there's there's a little bit of time in there if you really want to get it done.
0: You ready to take some questions from fans?
1: Yeah, no, I, I'd love to. And thank you to everyone who uh, asked them. I, I I love hearing from you guys and hear what you guys say. So let's go. And by the way, if you're out
0: there listening, wondering how to get us a question, subscribe to VandySports.com. Go in the War Room. I start a thread for every podcast where you can ask questions. So if folks are out there wondering how to do that, that's how you do it. Anyway, today's mailbag is sponsored by Sutherland & Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at 615-846-6200, see what your rights are and if they can help. Gold River says, Talk about the culture change in the program and what will its effect be in the short term as well as the long term.
1: I think... I like this question, first of all, because I feel like it's kind of what the biggest change is with, you know, Coach Lee and his staff. Um, I feel like in the short term it it might be hard to see. I feel like what Coach Lee is doing is he's building a deep, deep foundation underneath the team that is strong and is rooted in like authentic beliefs and values that, you know, we're not just putting on a shirt or putting up on a wall. It's like These are our, you know, core identities that we, you know, identify ourselves as a team with, and so in the short term, I think obviously it's going to translate into um, a better season overall next year. Whether that be winning the response after bad plays, knowing how to win, knowing how to lose, Um, I think everything that comes with being an elite level competitor is what the culture is changing for the long term. I, I mean, I have complete trust in this process. It it is not we're trying to we're not trying to change it right now. You know, you you can't make anything worth value fast. It's going to take time and everyone knows that turning a program around is not easy and especially here it's uh, it's been a struggle in the past. And I think a lot of guys now with the culture that's being instilled in us and the message that we're getting from Coach Lee is completely different than anything that we've ever received. Um I think the long-term benefits from it will obviously be really really great for the team and for the fans. It'll 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 be fun to watch it grow and uh I have, you know, my extra year of eligibility from COVID. If um you know, who's to say that I can't, you know, see it all the way through. That would be that'd be really exciting for me, especially seeing how uh, how much I love it so far. So we'll see.
0: All right. Several questions from Bobby two times. The first one, what do you hope is the biggest growth in your game from year one to year two?
1: Um, I think one of, you know, I talk about um, my biggest weakness. I feel like um, my decision making at times was a little chaotic. Um, Earlier in the season, uh, I had a lot more turnovers than later. So I think I eventually figured it out. But you know, I realize I might have had you know a little bit of a freshman pass uh, this last year, um, and knowing that I'm not a freshman anymore, there is no pass. So, um, being smart with the football, and I, I know I'm kind of you know laughing about it, but that's that's not really something that I'm joking about. Uh, and I I hate turning the ball over, and you know if I try and make it look like it doesn't bother me, it does. Um, it's uh, not something anyone wants to do, obviously, but. I feel like the biggest improvement needs to be my ball security. And um, it's something that coach Lynch has worked a lot with me on, uh, especially in practice. It's something that, you know, I try internalize and visualize, and you know, at practice and at night um, before I go to bed, you know, being safe with the ball, throwing it away. If I have to, don't, don't force anything that's unnecessary, you know, just the, just the freshman mistakes in general, just cut it all out. Like you have a whole season. Now you've played nine sec games, like, lose the the unconfidence the you know the bad bad plays like you've seen it have confidence knowing and you've prepared uh and i'm you know talking to myself here just don't 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 feel like you have to be the hero of the game just make the play that's there don't force anything
0: all right next one from bobby what's your favorite thing about the new coaching staff
1: (laughs) my favorite thing um Honestly, probably like they're all, I I wouldn't say young, but they're all like relatively young and early on in their careers and they all have like a bunch of little kids. And so whenever we have like family days, they'll all bring like their families up there. There's like a bunch of like little, Coach Lee's got six children right now (laughs) and they're all like, you know, like chest height to me. And uh, Coach Lee's got his, his kids and they're all little. Um, seeing how like, you know, all the coaches got like their little families going on, they're just starting. I think it's really cute. Um, I, I really like Family Day. So,
0: what's the thing you miss about the old coaching staff the most?
1: Um, I I really liked a lot of the the old coaches. You know, I I I see some of them almost as like second father figures. I think you know, I think about like coach Fitch, coach Ross, the O-line coach, um, those guys, uh, I really miss them sometimes, uh, just, you know, for the people that they were. And obviously we went through so much last year together and, uh, having to deal with all of that, I think obviously brought us a lot closer. And so, uh, not being able to see those guys every day, like I did for, you know, the past year, uh, obviously, you know, I miss sometimes, but, um, uh, I talk to them, send them texts every now and then, uh, see how they're doing. So well, we stay in contact. It's not like I never never talk to them anymore, but I, I, I miss uh, the coaches that um, made last year enjoyable.
0: VU in Georgia says you're excited about the direction of the new offense. I'm, I'm sure you are, so give us some examples there of what you like maybe.
1: Yeah, I think you know, Coach Rye comes from – really good offensive systems um he's been with the cardinals he's been with Green Bay and he's bringing those same ideas uh here um who's to say how we're gonna call plays yet I think you know I don't even really know we're we're putting it all in but um uh it'll it'll probably be uh i'd say more under center a little bit more uh pro style ish than uh we were running last year I think last year it was kind of like no huddle, you know, quick game RPO, make a read. Not really a lot of, a lot of stuff downfield. And there's definitely, absolutely a huge element of our offense of that this year uh, because I think, you know, that's what I'm good at. But um, uh, there's, there's definitely, you know, some more freedom at the quarterback position, which I really like. Uh, there's, there's a lot I get to do with this offense. So it'll be fun to run, and I'm excited to see which way it goes uh, during the season.
0: S. Butler the fourth says, what is your relationship like with Mike, Wright?"
1: Me and Mike are really good friends. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a bad relationship at all. Me and Mike, uh, you know, all of the quarterbacks do Moose too. <laughs> we all have like a really good relationship. I think, uh, the quarterback meetings in the quarterback room is like the most fun times of the day because, you know, we can obviously, you know, we're talking ball and being serious when we have to, but, you know, we can joke about different things on the film. You know, whenever something's funny, like, we're all laughing. Uh, but, no, when we all hang out, it's uh, it's 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 very good. We uh, we have a really good quarterback room. And I think that's going to be the strength of our team next year is the closeness that we have at this position.
0: There's a couple of questions in here from Door King and VU Door 98 about facilities. And, you know, obviously there's been a lot of talk about that and plans. But my understanding is you guys really aren't, kept in the loop and and consulted on those things is that a fair way to say it
1: yeah no i mean there's there's not really a team meeting where we're talking about facilities uh it's you know i I guess my knowledge comes from the internet and i'm you know especially nowadays never on my phone so uh, yeah I, i have no idea
0: you say you're never on your phone is that something that you have to be really disciplined about this time of year
1: yeah. So, I mean, it's almost like, uh, I don't have a choice, I guess, but, um, uh, I actually about, I guess, five months ago now, uh, I really like made a very tough effort to stay off my phone. I put my screen time, like on a little widget on my home screen, you know, so I could see how long I was on my phone and my goal was to like, keep it under five hours a day. So that could tell you like how bad of a problem it was. My goal was five hours, but Uh, yesterday I looked at my phone and I'd only been on it for 45 minutes. And I was like, dude, like, what is even that? (laughs) Like, I don't know if I've only been on my phone for 45 minutes ever. So it's not really like a choice at this point anymore. It's really the discipline to go to sleep, I guess. Just not stay up on my phone. Uh, just make sure I'm getting enough sleep for the next day
0: man, I wish I had your discipline. Uh, now that you pulled that off to some degree, I I bet you, your life is probably simpler in in a lot of ways.
1: No. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like whatever, you know, requires my attention. I'll give it like someone's, you know, talking to me, like, obviously, you know, I call my dad every day. So if I go to FaceTime my dad, you know, I FaceTime my dad, uh, someone's, you know, texting me or something, you know, on Twitter, Instagram, like when someone's reaching out to me that I'll go do that. But you know, it doesn't give me time to, I guess, see all the other stuff that's out there and the good and the bad too. I don't, I don't want to see either side. So
0: hey, that's, that is not a bad thing. I'm envious of you. That's one thing (laughs) I I keep thinking I'm going to try to do, but I haven't done it very well yet. So, um, maybe next podcast, you need to ask me how I'm doing on that. Although in my business, it's a little bit difficult, but anyway,
1: no, and I understand. And actually being, uh, computer science, we've watched a lot about like, uh, It was called um, the Social Dilemma. It's a documentary, and I honestly, I really recommend it. Like we were, we were required to watch it for my computer ethics class. But like, pretty much how everything about your phone is making you addicted to it, and how people are, you know, always on their phones, and it changes their behaviors and and you know, depression rates and suicide rates have gone up since the invention of social media. Like it, it gets deep. And it was about whenever I watched that, I was like, maybe I should stop being on my phone for eight hours a day, you know? So, uh, yeah, but absolutely. If you can get off of it, I'll, I'd, I'd recommend it.
0: <laughs> oh, that, that was, that was a great answer. Um, <laughs> like i said I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about how i spend my time um and, and you're making me feel a little guilty at the moment no, so don't feel
1: guilty no it's <laughs> it's it's rigged against you the game is rigged against yeah. you i know we're going way off topic here but uh, i mean it's something that i think about a lot and every time you're on instagram or like if it's free you're the product uh, so
0: well okay you're the you're the computer information systems guy <laughs> um or computer science is technically right Yes, sir. Yeah. Give me the uh, take. Let's take off the football hat a minute and, and give me a lesson in the psychology that that you've learned from your classes.
1: The psychology. Oh, my gosh. Um, uh, shoot. I really, it's just problem solving. It's like um, so we have here's a program that we had. We had an eight queens uh, problem. So you have a chessboard, right? And uh, you have eight queens write a program that can place eight queens on the chessboard. To where no queen can take another one so you know it's a recursive problem so you go what recursion means is like you have a function and it calls on itself so it just runs in a loop like over and over like it'll do whatever's in the function like place queen here go down one call the function again place queen here go down one you know recursion so uh whenever you know you realize a queen can take another one you got to go back in the loop place it down. And so it's, um, I I really don't know how to explain it in like simpler terms, but it's, uh, it, the, the problem solving of it, I guess is interesting. And, you know, you'll spend like 10 hours sitting there working on a computer science project. And like the whole time you're just thinking, you forget to eat, you forget what time it is. And you'll look up like, oh my gosh, like, how is it two in the morning? You know? So it, (laughs) it'll, it'll take up your time fast.
0: Oh, I'm sitting here. I, I just meant, uh, how do they get us to to suck all of our free time out of us? Oh, you went a little deeper than I intended there, but that was oh. good too. <laughs> no,
1: no, no. Oh, so you want to? So yeah. The little red notification button on all your apps, like that right there is the visual, like that. That'll make you click it. Like every time you have a notification, yeah. you're like oh, I want to click it, and you get the in your brain, you get that uh, chemical response back. They're like, oh, I get to see like. And so there's, there's a really good point in the documentary social dilemma that they talked about. It's like, okay, if someone tags you in a photo on Instagram, like, what are you going to do? Just not click that notification. There's a reason they don't show the photo that they tagged you in. They want you to click on it and open up the app. You know, the buzz on your phone, that's, that's the physical feel that you can feel like, like whenever it does that, uh, I saw a, a social experiment where people would like walk by people on a park bench. And whenever they walked by them, they weren't on their phone or anything. They're just sitting there. But the person walking by would set their phone off and it would just buzz in their pocket. And whenever it buzzed, everyone on the bench grabbed their phone and looked at it. It's just that the the repetition and like the the patterning that they're doing like in your head to pick it up. So it, it's getting really creepy now that I'm hearing myself talk about it. But and that, it's not that serious. But uh, ultimately, you know, I think it causes, um, you know, Socio politically causes a lot more problems and, you know, especially with the division and, you know, the algorithms and stuff, uh, with everyone in the country, you only see what you like, you know, the, the feed, especially that's, that's what's contributing to different problems like that too. And we can maybe in another podcast, a whole different podcast talk about my social and political beliefs if we ever wanted to do that, but I'm assuming not. So. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I'm just thinking at this point, if um if I don't check my phone before I go to bed, my wife can send you the thank you note, right?
1: <laughs> OK, maybe not that one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but seriously, that that was that was very interesting. But um, we'll get back to football. OK, VU Matt 23 says, who are some of the quarterbacks or other athletes that you model your game after or look up to?
1: Ooh, so I guess whenever I was littler, I, I'm number eight because of Troy Aikman. That's that's first of all, and I don't know, you know, that was probably mainly my dad's influence. He was a Cowboys fan growing up and loved Troy Aikman, and uh, I guess I kind of gravitated towards him too. But that's why I'm number eight. I think whenever I was littler, I absolutely loved Tim Tebow, and so. I kind of, I I don't think, you know, I have the same mentality as him. I don't think anyone does, to be honest. But I think uh, the competitiveness, the intensity that he brought to the game, uh, I really, I really liked that and idolized that as a child and uh, tried to replicate that in my game, you know, bring, bring the same intensity playing, you know, as position like quarterback that he did, especially running the ball. I know I didn't get to or I guess effectively run the ball that much, but he was, you know, a huge threat on the ground. And I think especially, you know, obviously earlier on in like high school and maybe middle school too, um, I tried to run the ball as aggressive as he would, you know, he's a big dude and uh, I'm not necessarily as big as Tim Tebow, but hopefully that's something I get to show next year. Um, uh, Obviously being a Cowboys fan, I love Tony Romo. I thought his presence in the pocket, the way that he was able to buy time, like move around. Uh, I always always loved watching him buy time. And I know he had his, you know, low moments and everyone hates on Tony Romo, but I love him. I think, I think he's a great quarterback. And um, I think Aaron Rodgers, too. I like Aaron Rodgers just for um, his playmaking ability. I think, you know, obviously this crazy stat of like his completion percentage is higher outside of the pocket than inside. You know, so I think the way that he's able to escape the pressure, not it's not the same as Tony Romo. Tony Romo was like almost like take one step and like avoid like three people. It was I was like crazy to watch. But Aaron Rodgers is able to like get out of the pocket, get on the run, you know, make the crazy throws. So I think those three guys really like whenever I think about quarterbacks that influence my game, that's who I think about.
0: This season of the podcast made possible by Dr. Jody Jones, DDS, who's a former Commodore football player and a Vanderbilt sports booster. Dr. Jones runs a premier dental business in the Nashville area. Whether you need cosmetic or general dentistry, he can help you. Go visit his office at 55 Music Square East. And when you get there, it won't seem like a dental office. It's more like, as someone described to me, a tooth spy. It's this big, spacious environment where you feel relaxed, you feel at home, you get friendly service with great people, and you get great dental work. And it's why Jody gets clients all over the entertainment and sports industries in Nashville. We're talking movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches. They all go to see Dr. Jody Jones because he's the best in the business. He is the reason this podcast is possible, so give him a call today at number 615-270-2322 and tell him you heard about his business on the Vandy Sports Podcast. Ann Arbor says, though it's not expected to happen until 2025, what do you and other Vanderbilt football players think about Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC? Now, I think most of our audience knows you are from Texas, so that had to be a really <laughs> interesting week when that started to come up.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, I think, you know, I, I actually didn't grow up being a, a UT and, you know, I came to Vanderbilt and everyone calls Tennessee UT, but UT has always been Texas to me. <laughs> uh, I never grew up really being a big UT fan. And um, whenever I heard they were coming to the SEC, I was like, wow, like I, I could definitely, I guess, see that, you know, uh, I think um, obviously they have like one of the, what, like the richest uh, franchises or programs in college football. Uh, I know, obviously know their fan base very well, and they are uh, a very dedicated, very loyal fan base. So I think both of those programs, too, they have very big, very loyal fan bases. And uh, it'll be cool to see. I think college football is completely changing right now. And I think those two teams coming to the SEC is going to be what changes everything. And it'll be interesting to see how the other conferences respond to it. Uh, within the next year or two and who's to say if not down the line like the SEC keeps growing you know it's uh it'll be interesting to watch but um yeah I I think I think it's cool like I like it I think college football needed a little bit of change and a realignment as big as this one you know I'm not going to say it was bound to happen but it's fun to be a part of it now that it is happening and I'm kind of like in the thick of college football so
0: did you have a favorite college team growing up?
1: Honestly, it was, I'd probably say it was TCU. Uh, there, I was in the era of Trayvon Boykin and, uh, when they had like the best offense in the country I know they'd never won a national championship, but they were, they, they were really good. And, you know, I lived like 30 minutes from their campus. So I think I went to like seven straight years of TCU football camps, got to know coach Cumbie, the office coordinator that was there really well. Um, I really, really liked TCU. um, didn't work out for me there. And obviously I'm not offended by that. They, uh, they're looking for a different kind of quarterback than what I was, but, um, no, I, I really liked TCU when I was growing up.
0: Dorking asks, have you met Chancellor Deermeyer? and is he around the program much?
1: Uh, I actually haven't met him. No. Um, I, I, I think he is. I actually think I've seen him at a couple of practices on the sidelines, him and, um, uh, Dr. Lee, uh, Candace Lee, um, they, uh, we have sometimes, uh, special guests around the program at, uh, at camp and, uh, practice a spring practice too. Uh, a couple of times, I actually saw, um, coach Corbin at one of the practices, which is really cool to see, uh, I've talked to him before. So we said, what's up, but, um, no, I've actually never talked to a chancellor of Dear Meyer.
0: A-Rod was on campus yesterday. You didn't run into him. Oh did you? my
1: gosh. I saw that. I was like, Oh, how did I miss him? <laughs> Yeah, I,
0: I mean, nobody seems to know what he was there for. I, obviously, he took some pictures on the baseball field, but, yeah, that
1: was <laughs> that was weird. Yeah. So anyway. I know, it was cool. I, I actually saw it on, a, I think it was Vandy's Instagram story. I was like, no way. I was like, should have stopped by at practice, said hi. <laughs> now, were you a Rangers fan growing up? I was, yes. <laughs> we could talk about that, too, me being, oh, my gosh, I'm so pumped Jack Lyder's over there. I'm already a big enough Jack Lyder fan, but him being a ranger is just like put me over the moon and i know you know we got other things going on with the baseball program right now over there but uh it was that was really cool now are you friends with jack uh so i don't think we've ever actually like we we've met in person a couple times but uh not you know ever hung out in person or anything like that but we've texted each other said good luck and you know a couple other times but You know, I'd say, you know, we know each other. I'd put it better like that. I
0: I have to keep dialing some of the questions back because we're going to have a lot of these episodes. But (laughs) when we get towards baseball season or maybe on a bye week, I'm going to have some questions for you about the football team's involvement (laughs) with baseball. Because I think you were kind of the ringleader of that from what I understand.
1: I I don't know if I was the ringleader. I think, you know, Elijah and... Uh, Elijah McAllister and Mike Wright were definitely the the ringleaders of that cult, you could call it. But uh no, it, it was a lot of fun like being a part of and especially with those guys. We'll talk about it later.
0: Yeah, yeah. We we gotta we gotta <laughs> save some material for other episodes. But um last one for tonight, Doors alum wants to know what what's your favorite non football related part of going to Vanderbilt is.
1: Ooh um honestly like the city like the city is so i've never lived in like i you know i was an hour away from dallas and 30 minutes from fort worth but like living in the city is so cool like whenever me and you know my friends or the bradley my roommate the offensive line whatever we want to go out to eat i'm like let's try somewhere else like somewhere i've never been and it's always like oh this place is two miles away it's like oh i've never heard of this and i've literally like probably eaten at like three restaurants where I've eaten there multiple times. Like there's so many places to eat and like so many like pretty skyline views to see Nashville in. And it's just really cool. Like having so much to do in like the city and, you know, I have my car up here, so I drive around sometimes and like check it out. And obviously it's real easy to get lost and I can't go anywhere without my little maps pulled up on my phone. But, uh, I honestly, it's just the city. I really like living in it.
0: Well, I haven't figured out how do you have the free time for that yet, but again, that that'll be a topic for another <laughs> another pod. So, yeah. well, Ken, thanks for joining us tonight. Before we go, I want to give you a chance. I know you're on Twitter, although obviously not on Twitter as much as some people. I want to give <laughs> you a chance to promote that or, or anything that that you want to throw out there before we end the show tonight.
1: Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at uh, KenSealsQB. Uh, my Instagram is KenSeals_8. eight. So hit me up on those platforms. Give me a follow. Reach out to me. I'll text you back.
0: All right, Ken, thanks for joining us. And we'll catch up with you next week uh, when a full week of practice and then some will be in the books. And I I'll look forward to seeing that.
1: Absolutely.